Good morning, you guys. Welcome to another lovely Wednesday here on Get It Got It Good. I am excited because we're talking about one of our favorite subjects today, which is business. I love, 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 love entrepreneurs. Yes, I love my dancers too. Don't get it twisted. But I am Nyjah Wilhite, your host as always. Today we have Guy Cooper with us. So we're going to talk about everything from just your business is royally screwed to how, <laughs> and I said it the nice way this time. Hmm. Um, and then how you get it from being completely. So it reminds me of, you know that um, one of my best friends is white, so don't get this wrong way. But you know that white guy on TV? who um, goes into, like, bars and fixes up. Bar rescue? Yeah, yeah. Yes, there yes, you go. Yes. My husband watches that show. Yes. He's awesome. He could be an ass, but he's awesome. Sure. <laughs> so this is how I kind of think a guy, right, <laughs> on the nice side. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today and sure. talking about exactly how a business cannot even know that they're completely screwed up. Um, and how you go about opening their eyes without being the guy from Bar Rescue. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and then how do you help them transform? I know you got some products and stuff that are coming out soon to help different things. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited about that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Before we get started, let's take a look at um, the artist spotlight because once we come back and delve into the business aspect, I definitely want to keep that rolling because I have a lot of questions. Welcome back, you guys. I hope that you all enjoyed this week's Artist Spotlights. So, guys, I definitely want to delve back in because I have a lot of people in business um, on the surface, but they feel enslaved by that business because it's not doing what they want. They sure. stay small and can't hire or they don't know how to properly expand. So, before we get into that, who are you, though? Like, why should we listen? <laughs> I, I got to love it. Yeah, so um, when I was in college, mm -hmm. I went to school for electrical engineering. And when I was in college, I saw people that weren't able to navigate whether they had good auto repair or not. Mm -hmm. They couldn't tell with all the technical babble that the service provider shared with them, mm -hmm. uh, whether it made sense. And the uh, service providers uh, didn't communicate as well as they needed to in many cases. So I decided to stop electrical engineering and open up an auto service. So at 21, I launched an educational component. I launched an auto service by educated consumers so they could be a part of the decision-making process when it came to auto repair. Wait, 21, you guys. Stop trying to say you're too young. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's a fact. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so uh, I did that for 25 years. Um, in 2007, I had a daughter who was born 1 pound 11 ounces. Um, and that was a very scary time. We didn't know if she was going to make it, you know, mm -hmm. be all right or even make it in that regard. And, and five months after that, I had, made, I had a major car accident um, that should have been fatal. And I had a concussion and brain bruising and the market crashed and the housing, the housing market and stock market crashed all at the same time. Jesus. So with all of that happening in mm -hmm. that whirlwind, it, our financial nest egg, because I was planning on duplicating my facility, mm -hmm. um, my financial nest egg went away. Um, and I was in a place where I had to rebuild everything. Still had my shop, but had to rebuild everything, and it made me reevaluate. What so, am I doing? <laughs> a lot of people say, okay, what's the purpose of an emergency fund? There you go. That's the purpose of an emergency 100%. fund. I've come across so many people who have, were doing great. You know, life, you guys, is a roller coaster. They do great. They lose it all. They want their crap back. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> right? That's right. So how did you get the motivation because sometimes people they lose everything um and then they're just like what was me and can't continue to put one foot in front of the other how did you muster the energy to keep it moving forward 
But I had so many clients at that point. I probably mm-hmm. had 1,200 consistent clients that actually we serviced, mm-hmm. and I had a staff that I needed to take care of and make sure that we met payroll and, and what it took to run the company. So uh, I, couldn't yeah, no choice. <laughs> I couldn't afford to not. My doctor wondered why I wasn't depressed. Um, with all the brain bruising and the neurological concerns that I had, mm-hmm. I didn't have time to be comp- depressed. I wanted to really take care of my people. And with that stated, though I wanted to really uh, take care of my company and take care of people, I was exhausted. I was tired, and I really didn't want it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to quit, but I didn't know how to quit. Um, it's not what I was made for. It's not what I wanted to do any longer. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to move in my passion when I, when I first started. Within the first probably 15 years, I was loved it, very passionate. Um, but that started to win. And so that's where, you know, that's what happened. I saw what I really love doing um, and transition here. So so we get trapped. Yep. You, you guys know I started a dance company. I opened up two brick and mortars. I stopped that because I got trapped. It's this overhead. This right. I have to be there. I'm not a nine to fiver. Not me. I can't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but, you know, opening up the brick and mortars, that was what it was like for me, right? So if you're in this predicament where you have people depending on you and you're not happy, how do you transform that into something else, still feed yourself, and, and how do you prioritize that? Like, what did you do? Sure. So a couple of things. So if I can talk behind the curtain for mm-hmm. a second, one of the things that has to happen is you have to look at, you know, what are you... What is the goal? What's the plan? Let me just let me share my story because that, mm-hmm. that would really yeah. kind of just. So for me, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I just know what I was doing wasn't it. Yeah. Right. And I wanted to do something on a much larger scale, being able to assist people and help them. And at the time, I had a radio show. I was a healthy car guy actually on the air. Um, and my show specialized in teaching uh, consumers how to ask the right questions and recognize the right answers mm-hmm. Right when it came to auto repair so they could have some control in the outcome. Um, and what I would do is I would teach the consumers on the air or the listeners how to um, hold service providers accountable. Mm-hmm. And anybody that came to my shop, I would let you hold me accountable because mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you accountable as well. Mm-hmm. And I call them bottom feeders, right? So we have bottom feeders <laughs> all throughout every industry. Mm-hmm. And the bottom feeders aren't just service providers. The bottom feeders are also customers. They're people, right? Okay, they're people so can that, you define yeah, a bottom feeder? Yeah, so a bottom feeder is a crook, criminal, or con artist. That, that, you know, doesn't really care mm-hmm. about good service, best, you know, they just want best price. They, If they can get over, if they can hold mm-hmm. you to accounts and make you pay for it because they said something and then you did it and it's not really what you want, they wanted and your car is still not repaired, you uh, know, yeah. they try to hold you accountable for mm-hmm. it, then that's, that's what I would call a bottom feeder. Let's put it in the court. So today you can go get your check in your life uh, check for mm-hmm. free at AutoZone. Really? Yes. You don't have to hook it up to the $75 plus diagnostic machine? That's the thing. That's what I want to share. Right. And so, and I don't want to get in a technical babble, Mm -hmm. but you you can go get the uh, car checked for free as far as the check engine light. Mm -hmm. But all that's doing, let's say they tell you the oxygen sensor uh, code was set and they tell you you need an oxygen sensor. Well, Mm -hmm. if you would have brought it to my shop or you bring, bring it to any one of my client shops, we would share with you, wait a minute. So... What we need to do is find out first off is if the oxygen sensor is bad or not, because the oxygen sensor measures whether there's too much mm-hmm. oxygen, right? Okay. Kind of like our lungs taking blood. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go te- technical babble with this, but I want to. Um, if the oxygen sensor is working really good, then it could be telling you that you have a, a vacuum leak that's about fifty cents worth of service that you mm-hmm. need to have done, right? Or the oxygen sensor could be bad. Which one is it? 
And those clients invariably will say, I have no idea. Neither do I. So we need to assess it so mm. we can find out. We're not trying to get over. We're not trying to you know, charge you for something that we're not doing. We need to assess it so we can make sure we hit the mark properly and take care of your vehicle. Well, you have people that don't want that. All they want is the oxygen sensor, and they want you to put the oxygen sensor on as a service provider. Mm. And once you do and it doesn't, the check engine light doesn't go off, then they can you know, Come back put you down, give you two yeah. stars, one stars, and reviews and say, hey, you messed my car up if you didn't fix my car right. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that up front, you know, I, we, we were a strong educational platform where we would educate people up to our standards. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I would say is you got to have standards that you're moving mm -hmm. and you have to stand on those standards. If somebody comes in below your standards, you know, I don't just I didn't just turn them away and say I'm not interested. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I will always educate people and try to bring them up to my standard. Um, and if I could do that, then maybe we can win together mm -hmm. and we can do business. If not, then this business, this is this service is not for you. So it's a it's a common theme throughout business owners that I know are winning. It's that win win um, model. Like, okay, Absolutely. everybody has a win in this scenario. If one person loses, then we all lose. So then, if that was your platform and educating people, you got stuck. How did you switch that into becoming all business and not just the auto industry? Sure, sure. So on the show, on my radio shows, I was educating customers and teaching them how to hold service providers accountable. Especially women. We get screwed. And Well, not always. <laughs> and that's a whole nother. We can do that. That's a whole nother. Because okay. there's, there's, there's women mm -hmm. who don't. There's women who can hold a service provider more accountable than men or almost anybody. Oh, right? Really? So you just have to know what to do and the steps okay. in that process. What happened was I had service providers start coming to me and calling mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you shared that so simply and it broke it down so clearly that would you teach me how to hold, you know, have my clients hold me accountable? Mm -hmm. And, you you know, you've talked about how you're, it made you more profitable. You have more business because of that. You starve out the crook criminal card artists, which we call bottom feeders. Um, and so I realized um, when I started assisting service providers in that regard you know, I saw it. it's a lonely road, and mm -hmm. you talked about that. It's mm -hmm. a lonely, it's a lonely road, mm -hmm. and you almost feel like an arbitrage around your neck. And in the automotive industry, probably more than almost any industry. And I can, you know, at one point I couldn't totally see that, but now mm -hmm. working with a lot of industries, you have a customer that's coming in that feels like, you know, because of your industry, that you're probably going to rip them off. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's an adversarial relationship. Walking in the door, yeah. you did nothing. You do right? have a. The industry has a yeah. A, a name, right? Yes. And then you have a vehicle that you're working on that you have no idea of what's wrong with that vehicle mm -hmm. and what it's going to take to repair that vehicle. And now you got to go. You got to tell them, the customer, that there's a there's a set price to diagnose it to figure out that concern, and they think you're trying to rip them off. And you have a car that you can't figure out. And then when you look at that car, mm -hmm. you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I've looked at this car for an hour or an hour and a half, and I've I've charged the client, you know. 97, 13, I've charged them for hours diagnostics, and I don't have a clue what's on wrong? what's wrong with that car. Mm -hmm. And so then you'd have to call the customer back, and this is the educational side of it. And I, I know I'm not answering the questions you asked me a second mm -hmm. ago. The educational side of it is um, I will call the customer and say, hey, I know that these four systems are working beautiful. This fifth system, because there's only five systems that have caused this intermittent concern. Mm -hmm. This fifth system is causing the concern. I don't know what the concern is. I know that most of the system works good. It's one area that I need to assess further, and that's going to take another $97.13. And at the end of that, I may not, I still may not 
you know, I I still have to let you know where I stand. Wait, I know what the cost is. Like, it's a doctor. It's a doctor. Hundred percent. Um, go in, figure out what's wrong, run all the tests. We pay our co-pays and our doctor fees, and we don't think nothing of it. I mean, yeah, we gripe, but we know we expect it. So then, go ahead. Yep. And so, and so with that, what happened was I just found that I loved helping service providers mm-hmm. that felt like they were stuck, and they felt like. Man, my clients feel like I'm ripping them off, or people walk in the door feel like I'm ripping them off, mm-hmm. and and I can't really charge fair, and I'm losing my shirt because I'm not I'm not charging for certain services because mm-hmm. they're gonna think that I'm trying to get over, and so they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, and and I knew that place, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been in that place for 25 years, and so I realized, you know, this is what I was made for, mm-hmm. right? And so even what you just stated, so I have a, a course that I, I teach and and it's going to launch. It's called the Leader's Intent. And mm-hmm. it's what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. It's, t- it's sharing with people what they need to do, mm-hmm. right? Sharing with them why they need to do it and how it needs to look when it's done. Okay. Right? So being transparent. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because, well, a lot of times we don't go that far. We may not, we may share with the employee, you know, what the task is. This is a task that I need you to do. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to share with you why you need to do it. I don't mm-hmm. have time for that. And sometimes you don't, right? But if you can share with a person what they need to do and then share the purpose of it, why they're mm-hmm. doing it, and how it should look when it's done, you're going to have a better result, right? And so we have a whole process in how that works. Your client now is no longer just a service guy. And it's funny that you say this. Me and my husband had this discussion last night, right? And it doesn't just go into business. It goes into personal life. It goes everywhere. into everything. It's everywhere. Say that again. If you share with the person what and why, you get a better result. Absolutely. So you need so. to share with them what they need to do. Mm-hmm. You need to share them the reason they're doing the purpose of it, you know, the purpose is, and then what the end state should look like. So I'm going to be the devil's advocate. Yep. I'm a business owner. I know my stuff, yep. right? I know why you need to do this, why you need to do that. Say for dance, for example, I know you need to warm up so you don't pull no muscles. But I just tell my student, you need to warm up. And they're like, but Why? Sure. Why do I got to explain to you? You came to me. <laughs> sure. Or I'm the boss. What do you say about that type of leader? So so look at that. So if you share that, are they, they're going to they're gonna stretch and do the things they need to do. Mm-hmm. But are they going to do that when they get home or just when they're in your presence? In the presence or reluctantly or, reluctantly. or with the right. tug of war. That's right. Mm-hmm. So what I would share with you is, you know, you want to really partner, as you stated, mm-hmm. where you can have a win-win scenario where everybody can win. So you should share with them why. And most people, most leaders, most people that we share with initially feel like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's, okay. that's insanity. But, you know, if you would just share with them, mm-hmm. hey, you should stretch because as you stretch, this is what it does for you. Mm-hmm. And this is how it assists you. Right. And, you know, this is the impact if you don't do it because there's an impact as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is how it should look when you're done. You know, they can see the outcome. You're basically sharing with them. Wow, this is where you stand. And if they can, the, the clearer uh, expectation is, mm-hmm. the less time you'll spend doing things on the back end. So you think you're wasting, th- you think it's a waste of time, mm-hmm. but you're going to save time. Right? Yeah, from injuries and all kinds of stuff. Okay. And have a better relationship. Yeah, right. So your relationship is going to be stronger. You're going to have uh, less time spent doing things that you thought, you know, were a waste. Mm-hmm. And you'll set a better expectation. Is that not a win-win? That is a win-win. So now people come to you. They take this leadership. Now, do they realize that being a leader, you guys, means that you are the biggest service provider? <laughs> you are in service of the people that you're leading. 100%. They don't serve you, right? 100%. That's my personal philosophy. I see that you agree. 100%. So how do you, because a lot of people go, when I'm the boss, 
um, I'm going to be able to whip that, whip that, right? Sure. How do you transform their thinking then to realize that in the in any industry, if you want to lead and you want to be successful, you have to be in service of the people that, that are following you? Sure. So as you're paying a team member, employee, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. right? As you're paying somebody, the most you can pay for is their their hands, their ability to be able to do the work, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and their back, their hands yeah. and their back, right? Mm-hmm. You're not paying for somebody's passion. Sure. You're not paying for somebody's uh, ingenuity. Mm-hmm. You can't pay for that, mm-hmm. right? And the only way you're going to get that is for them to give that to you. And if, this is the thing: if somebody, if a if an employee were to come in and be passionate. Mm-hmm. about what they did you get more and for your really buck. love it oh my goodness <laughs> you get more for they're going to catch you on fire they're going to catch mm-hmm. the client on fire they're going to catch the other employees on fire would that not be attractive would that not inspire everybody that's a win-win it's a win-win right mm-hmm. and if they moved in ingenuity if they've really moved to actually make the company better and they're always looking for ways to make mm-hmm. the company better and improve um then that's a win-win as well yeah and so if you would actually to engage with them to find out you know where they are so let's Let's back up. So even okay. before that, what has to happen is you have to, as I stated earlier, you have to set good standards. Mm-hmm. So when you hire somebody, you're not hiring somebody to do a job. And that's that's first. Mm-hmm. You're hiring somebody to manage a set of tasks. So so just so we establish that, everybody that comes in the door is a manager. Okay. And you're here to manage these tasks. And the day you can't manage these tasks, it's not personal. I'm going to have to find somebody that can manage these tasks. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So just so we have that clear, because that one small nuance is huge. Mm-hmm. Because you know people hire people and then they they have a bad attitude in their organization, and that bad attitude is affecting their good yeah, people. Yeah, it just I call spreads that like a virus. Yeah. yeah, and it ruins everything. And then you you know you're scared to fire them. And what do I do? No, they came in to manage these tasks. The day they can't manage those tasks, no worries. Somebody else will manage the task. And there's business two questions. Business. And there's two questions that you need to that need to be asked on the front okay. end and, and every day after that, right? And they need to be posted. Um, uh, two questions? Yeah, two questions. Yeah, do I do I do my job well? Do mm-hmm. I get it done? And do others like working with me? Okay. Right? So those if those are your core questions, everything else can fall under those two questions. Yeah. So then, you know, okay, you walk into a door, you sit down with the, man, the, the CEO, the whatever, or the leadership team, and then you start to assess their business. How do you do? Do you look through their books? Do you walk through their facilities? Like, how do you do that? So the, as soon as as soon as I'm contacted in that regard, mm-hmm. the first thing I do, and I can see success and failure in, a, in an organization, whether I want to or not. Um, and I realized <laughs> that early on in my company, uh, with my auto service, um, I didn't really, even though I was a tech and I worked on cars in the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I learned that that's not that wasn't my role. Mm-hmm. I was always working on the business and not in the business. And because of that... Wait, wait. You guys hear that. Sorry. Don't yeah, mean to... No worries. You no worries. work on the business, not in the business. Right. So this is... So personal example, this is what I mean by I'm stepping out of the teaching and hiring people for it, right? And so this is what I mean by that. So why do you work on the business and not in the business? Well, because you you have to, as you work on the business, you can see things, you need to hire people that actually work in your business. Yes. Right? And what I recommend is I always recommend hiring your weakest link first. So whatever you're not good at, whatever you don't want to do, Mm -hmm. hire that person. But you still got to oversee it because, you know. You still oversee (laughs) it. Oh, absolutely. Inspect what you expect. Don't hire and be like, woo, I'm done with that. That's That's a mistake. Okay, go ahead. And then you get to the place where you can hire your strength 
mm-hmm. right? or what you want to do, and then you've replaced yourself in your company, and now you can really work on the company. But even before you do all of that, you really need to be working on your business, looking at what's working, what's not. There's always something that's working in your company. Mm-hmm. There's always something that's not working mm-hmm. in the company. There's always something that's missing mm-hmm. or not working as well, not working as well as you'd like it to. Right? There's always something possible. And this is the thing. As leaders, a lot of times we think we're the only ones that hold that you know, process and yeah. that power, right? And you, you're not. Your client holds that same power. Your staff holds that same power. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not working in their mind, then they're not producing. People people operate, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that situations occur to them. And, and it's, you know, so if they feel like this is not working because you're, you know, you have to, I can't do anything without you inspecting it first. I can't really measure whether I'm doing a good job unless you come in and let me know that I'm doing a good job. And then that's predicated upon your attitude and, where and everything else. You know, where you stand, then that's broken. Yeah. Right. And so they need to be able to manage things for themselves. And when that can happen and they can really, um, you can have a platform unbiased and usually it's a, a third party that comes in that can say, hey, what's working, what's not working? And they can share and mm-hmm. you can glean those commonalities. Mm-hmm. I take those commonalities back to the leader. So where I start is I start, but I, I walk in the door and assess the company before I even talk to the leader. And I have to talk to the leader first. And I see success and failure all throughout the company. Mm-hmm. And so when I start talking to the leader, they tell me what they're looking for and what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And then I start asking them questions to make them face the ugly truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, I assess the leader and, you know, just look at the ugly truth. So what? So let's, let me, let's put it on the court. Let me give you an example. So one company we went in, um, as I walked in, I saw a manager who was facing the wall. Okay. And as and I saw a customer that walked in the door, and this is an auto service. And so, so a customer walked in the door. The customer asked the service advisor, which is the person they talked to as soon as they walk in the door, a question. The service provider clearly couldn't answer that question. So the service provider turned and looked at the manager, um, uh, and, the, and, and the manager never even turned to look at the uh, service advisor or the customer and answer and and so well, what happened was <laughs> yeah and so what happened was the uh you know the customer i just watched the grimace on the customer's face the uh the service advisor was ice cold and neutral because they were used to it right so when mm-hmm. i went to the leaders of the company and these leaders had just acquired this company mm-hmm. um i went to the leaders and i said so what are we doing about the manager that's facing the wall that doesn't even look at people and so that's where we start so after they share what they share we need to face the other truth what are we doing about that mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're try, we've tried to deal with that. We've tried to get that straight. What do, Fire them. So what do we do? Well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Let's first off find out where they mm-hmm. stand. Because what I've found is a lot of times people don't know how they look. They don't know. I would say doesn't even realize that he coming off had that no way. Clue. And okay. so what I didn't share was that manager was facing the wall. As I walked to the shop, the general manager mm-hmm. um, was like a wet noodle. The general manager wouldn't hold anybody to account. So I could see it. You know, people were doing things and, and just was not holding people to accounts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with that, it's like, whoa, so what are we doing? You know, what are we doing with this manager, this general manager that's not holding people to accounts? First off, with the, is he a friend? Mm-hmm. He was, right? And so at that point, at that point, you know, I, I realized that we needed to deal with that. Okay. We needed to deal, you know, with that. Mm-hmm. And so... That's where it starts. And that's part of facing the ugly truth. And so when they share, I was able to go share with that manager that was facing the wall and uh, share with him, you know, why are you doing that? Just flat. Why why are you doing that? Do you realize and share with him exactly what I witnessed? He teared up. 
mm-hmm. the second I shared that. And it wasn't fake tears, right? Mm-hmm. And as he teared up, I'm like, wow, he didn't even know this. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever even said this to him. Mm-hmm. And I said, so what are you going to do about this, right? And so immediately, you know, we talked about the action steps that mm-hmm. he needed to take to turn it around. And so he turned his desk around and he said what he was going to do. And he really tried mm-hmm. his best to actually, you know, turn that around. But what happened was the team, you know, it had been like that for so long, they weren't willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. And so he realized at that point, he realized that he wasn't managing the task that he was called to manage after we had that discussion. And he decided this is not, I should stop. And he so, fired himself. Hey, well, you guys, as you see, there's a lot. And then you will take these individual things throughout the company and work up and then rebuild the company that way. How long does it typically take real quick? So we have a year program, but right okay. now I have an online pr- platform that has six week coaching okay. processes. We've we've done this with companies over a six week period, like facing the ugly truth that I just talked about, because there's some succinct steps that need to happen. There's six okay. questions and four six questions that happen with your that your team has to answer. Okay. Right? And has to be analyzed. And there's four action steps that you have to do with your team. If you do that, we can assure you, you, you'll face the ugly truth and you'll have a better company. You'll have a healthier company and far better production. So how do they find you? So I'm the healthy car guy. Um, Mm -hmm. So thehealthycarguy.com. Okay. Uh, But I've had so many automotive, so many non-automotive companies actually come and ask for our assistance. We feel like it's time. It's time now to extend our brand to the healthy business guy. Okay. Still go to the healthy car guy, mm-hmm. but you'll slowly see the healthy business guy in our branding. Okay. Everything else will be the same or better. Okay. Awesome. So I appreciate your time on here today. Thank it's you informative. Well. You guys, if you have more questions, um, <laughs> if you have more questions, definitely tag me. Um, tag. Go to the healthy car guy and send in your questions that way as well. So guy at the healthy car is my email address. Hey, there you have it. Or call us. Our number is 301-429-9247 here at the studio. So I look forward to seeing you all next Wednesday, same place, same time at 1130 on WBGR Health and Wellness Channel. And I appreciate you being here, guys, my audience. And I appreciate you being here, guys. Thank you for having me as well. <laughs> awesome. Yes, definitely. So you guys, peace out. Love ya.